recording. Yeah. Okay. So if everybody can mute themselves. Okay, let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Scottsdale Big Book Study, where we will study the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Today's date is it's Saturday and it's the 20th of January and it's very very cold here in Sweden minus four in Fahrenheit and uh, my name is Johan and I'm a uh, recovered compulsive overeater from Sweden I will be your host for today's study and our co-hosts today are Sue and Tanya thank you so much for service uh, if you have any questions during the meeting, please contact either myself or any of the co-hosts by private message in the chat function. The chat function will be <clears throat> five minutes before the question and answer session. Please note that the speaker Harlan G will be recorded for the duration of the study. However, the question and answer session which follows will not be recorded. We ask if you can please make sure to keep your microphone on mute at all times during today's study and also please turn off your video if you're exercising, eating or if you need to step away from your screen for any reason. During the meeting we will post the link to our seventh tradition. This money goes towards the cost of our Zoom account, the cost of uploading our recordings and we also send contributions to our intergroup and WSO. We will post a link to the previous week's, week's recordings. These are available by clicking on the link that will be posted in the chat box. And here he is. <laughs> the man, the man, Mr. Hornady, take it away. <laughs> thank you, thank you, yeah, thank you, thank you. All right, I'm glad to be, um... I was glad to be absent last week because I was in Los Angeles for the OA birthday, which was magnificent. If you missed it, shame on you. Shame on you. But if you missed it, I hope that uh, Tammy and Craig did a wonderful job last week. And I want to thank them. And I want to thank Sue L. And I want to thank Lauren N. And I want to thank whoever else, Johan today. And who else makes this possible? Nancy J. Uh, I mean, just the service that you guys provide is unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. These are guys who are behind the scenes, the treasurers and the people that uh, do, put it up on on uh, recording online on scottsdalebigbook.com. And just the, the amount of service is unbelievable that, that goes into this. It is far from just me. You're seeing me, you're hearing me, but without them, me ain't possible. So I'm really, really glad to be able to say thank you for your service. And while we're thanking, I'm hoping that today, every one of you will take a second to thank God because yesterday was January the 19th. Now, January the 19th may not be your birthday, it may not be your anniversary or your Founders Day, but it is ours because January the 19th, 1960, was the very first meeting of Overeaters Anonymous in the history of the world. Overeaters Anonymous started on January the 19th, 
1960. And so as such, this is our Founders Day. And that's why the birthday is A, always in Los Angeles, because that's where it started. And B, it is as close to the 19th of January as we can get it. Now, Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday comes right at that time. And that becomes very good because a lot of people have that Monday off. So that kind of plays into our hands, uh, scheduling the birthday for MLK birthday weekend. And that's what we've been doing is, you know, that's what they've been doing is scheduling it for that day. But the um, the bottom line here is, is that that is something to thank God for, because were it not for this wonderful organization, this magnificent organization, I would certainly not be here today as I would be dead. I would be dead as a doornail. There is no way that my mind and body would have survived the onslaught of the food, the physical onslaught of this disease, the loneliness, the tortured uh, existence that I had in this disease. And I'm so grateful today to have a situation where there is a place to go. Um, and this the place is called Overeaters Anonymous. That said, uh, we are in the doctor's opinion. And uh, we are on page XXVIII. XXVIII. Now, I'm not stuttering. That's the name of the, that's the number on the page. But the bottom line is, is that um, at, we're at the bottom. Men and women drink essentially. Now, if this book were a building, this paragraph would be its cornerstone. If Overeaters Anonymous had a building that you, you visited as a museum, if there was a museum to this disease and the recovery, I always envisioned a museum. If I ever won the Powerball lottery and I won like hundreds of millions of dollars, I would establish a museum. And to the left of the, when you come in, to the left of when you come in is all the manifestations of the disease, the diabetes and the high blood pressure and the, the edema and the gastritis and the, you know, cancer feeds on sugar and fat, cancer feeds on sugar and fat. So all the manifestations of the disease would be off to the left and all of the miracles of the recovery would be to the right. But as you enter the museum and you're neither left nor right, I always envisioned a wall. And on this wall would be a quote from Dr. Silkworth. And Dr. Silkworth's quote would be what we're going to read this morning. And we're, we may not even finish the paragraph. I'm going to see how far we get because I'm not going to hold myself to the standard of even finishing this paragraph. We go slow around here and that that's okay. That's what this is for. If you, you, when you go fast, that's with your sponsor. That's great. But we go very slow. We're quite pedantic here. And we want to make sure that there's an explanation of each and every word in this paragraph for sure, because without this paragraph, the whole program just doesn't make much sense. It just it just doesn't make very much sense. 
Okay, so let's go to page XXVII. And on XXVII, at the bottom of the page, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. Let's stop right there. Okay, men and women do not drink normally because they like the taste of a Milky Way bar. When you really think about it, let's really think about it. And I know that I'm in a group of compulsive overeaters. I get that. And when I have my teeth on a Milky Way bar, something is going on both in the bodily and mental sense that is quite abnormal. But if you really think about this, a Milky Way bar or some of the stuff that I've eaten from fast food places and God knows what is really crap. Let's 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 cut let's cut to the bottom line. It's crap. Come on. I, I went out in snowstorms for candy and potato chips and French fried this. I mean, if they would have French fried a shoe, I would have waited in line for it. Uh, you, know, you French fry anything french fry your your whatever i'm gonna i'm gonna wait in line and eat it because it's french fried and that's what got me me crazy men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol what is that effect now let's take a look at something that's very important and if we look at this we know why we need the effect when we were born Something inside of our brain was abnormal. And that doesn't mean we're crazy. It doesn't mean we're nuts. It doesn't mean that we, we you know, we're going to go and take hostages at Walmart or whatever. That doesn't mean that. We have a terminal unwe, a discomfort with the world that we were born into. Most of us looked at the world through a fence and some of us, not to the extent that I did, but and some more, whatever, we looked at the world and we saw people and they seemed happy. Whether they were happy or not is immaterial. They seemed happy to us, to our eyes. It looked as though they had some modicum of joy, modicum of happiness, uh, uh, an amount of pleasure or, or balance that we could not seem to achieve. And the more we tried, the more elusive this became. Some of us are quite accomplished. I know for a fact, there are people on this line right now that are doctors or PhDs or lawyers or they're whatever, or janitors or bus drivers or phone solicitors or whatever they may be, housewives, doesn't matter. We never felt like we measured up. We never quite felt as if we were equal to the people around us. So we tried sometimes to work half, twice as much to be half as good. We wanted doubles of everything. We wanted more and more and more and more and more. And the more we actually got, we were still very unhappy. Now, I don't think I'm alone in that assessment. I don't see a lot of people's faces going, no, no, I feel great. Because I think if you did, you wouldn't be here. Now, I was an infant when this happened. 
Maybe you were five. Maybe you were an infant. Maybe you were 30. I talked to a man the other day, never had a problem with weight until he was in his 50s. All of a sudden, his weight skyrocketed. He can't get it off. The more he eats, the more he wants. I mean, I've never seen as adult onset as in, in your 50s, but I was talking to this man, said to me, never struggled with food until he was in his 50s. Now he can't put it down. He can't stop eating. So whether you were one or you were 101, something happened inside your brain when you were given certain foods, a French fried shoe, a Milky Way, pizza, uh, uh, whatever, M&Ms, hopefully with peanuts, but unless you're allergic. But the bottom line is when you had your that food in your mouth, the world became a beautiful, beautiful place, a beautiful place. And as such, your brain registered that eating that food or that kind of food made you feel good. Now, unfortunately, when you're on alcohol, drugs, or other things, the high lasts longer. Food has the shortest lifespan of any intoxicant that I know. Why do I call it an intoxicant? It's not an intoxicant for 90% of humanity. For me, Kentucky Fried Chicken, pizza, Milky Ways, all that stuff is an intoxicant. I'm not drunk to the point where I'm going to fall down drunk. I'm not high like, you know, I'm I'm incommunicable, but there is a high to it. So for me, it gives me that effect. What is that effect? The effect is a sense of ease and comfort that comes instantly by eating that food. And when I eat certain foods, if you remember the movie, The Wizard of Oz, Remember the movie, The Wizard of Oz. And in the movie, The Wizard of Oz, you have a portion of the movie at the very beginning and the very end. The the monkeys, the flying monkeys, scared the crap out of me as a kid. I got to tell you, those flying monkeys scared me. I didn't sleep for days. I thought the flying monkeys were going to get me. I was scared to death. But anyway, in the movie, The Wizard of Oz, at the very beginning, you're in black and white. You're in sort of a sepia, a gray. You're in a gray kind of kind of movie. Now she's in Oz. And when she gets to Oz and that house falls on the witch, all of a sudden, you're in the most brilliant technicolor anyone has ever seen in their life. Oh my God, it's absolutely stunning. That is what happens to me when I am eating pizza. That is what happens to me when I am eating my intoxicant foods, my my red light foods. Something comes over me that makes everything okay. Now, unfortunately, two things are, are operating. Number one is when I eat that food, if I didn't have this, these two factors, one being 
very, very bad and one whatever. If I could get a Batman utility belt, you remember Batman with his utility belt? I would keep M&Ms with peanuts, with peanuts in the Batman utility belt. And when I felt inadequate, when I felt scared, when I felt less than, when I felt more like dying than living, when I felt any kind of negative emotion, I would take out one of those M&Ms and I would pop it in my mouth and I would be just fine, right? But there's a factor inside that the doctor has already described to us in the previous pages. And that factor is the physical allergy. And Dr. Silkworth tells us that any description of the alcoholic, which leaves out this physical factor, is incomplete. So I cannot ingest those foods without triggering the physical allergy. And once I ingest those foods and I trigger that physical allergy, now I'm going to eat infinitely more food than I had originally intended. It is impossible for me unless something is acting on me at, at like an outside force of you're going to scream at me, you're going to yell at me, I'm embarrassed. If I open up a bag of M&Ms, if I open up a bag of potato chips, Doritos, Fritos, if I open up a bag of French fries and hamburgers, I am going to finish every single thing in that container. And then I'm going to immediately, immediately hunt for more stuff, more of the same, or I'm going to go from sweet to savory. I'm going to go from savory to sweet, but I am not going to just be full because the more I want, the more I eat, the more I eat, the more I want, the more I want, the more I eat. And it is just infinitely endless. Endless. Absolutely endless. So men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. Why do we need the effect? Well, we're going to get to that in a minute. But let's just remember that on page one of the big book, we have a lot of clues to this. I won't beleaguer each one, but on page one of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, Bill Wilson writes in his story, I was very lonely and again turned to alcohol. It doesn't say I was very thirsty. It doesn't say I thought I needed a drink. It doesn't say I wanted the taste of liquor. It says I was very lonely and again turned to alcohol. And so this gives us a clue that alcohol is not the problem. That alcohol food is the solution to the problem. See, I'm going to let you in on some information here that you may not be getting from a sponsor, or you may. You may not be getting from the literature you're reading if you read other literature than the big book. But I'm going, and I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, I'm going to give you some information. Maybe you're getting it, maybe you're not. Food to the compulsive overeater is never the problem. It is the solution to the problem. And if that is the solution to the problem, what is the problem? The problem is the buildup of everyday 
human emotion. Happiness is an emotion. Some of you have eaten railroad cars full of Chips Ahoy cookies when things went well for you. Some of you have eaten railroad cars full of candy bars when the you were the on top of the world. So you may say, but that's not true. I was very happy. Happiness is an emotion. Accomplishment is an emotion. And so you have a situation where these emotions bring about tremendous discomfort in the soul of a compulsive overeater. Now, I told you that there was two factors, one being the physical allergy, absolutely. But the other thing that's happening when I eat the food is food for me and, and ostensibly you, because you're here, for the compulsive overeater instantly changes my perception of reality. I'm gonna say that again. Food for the compulsive overeater like me instantly changes my perception of reality. I go from being very fat and very unattractive to women unto James Bond and or Napoleon Solo or 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 Steve McQueen or whoever. If you're too young to remember who these people are, Google them, but don't make me feel old by asking me later. So the bottom line is food for the compulsive overeater, not all food, the fried shoe, yes, the M&Ms, yes, the Milky Way, yes, broccoli without cheese or fried, no, uh, cauliflower, no, they won't do that. No, they don't do that. But these, those foods change my perception of reality. And that would be fine if they didn't also trigger the physical allergy, that craving for more of the same. Let's continue. I told you we were going to go slow, and I meant what I said. This paragraph is too vital for you, for us not to delve into it in detail. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it's injurious, they cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false. Now, does that mean that I think that it's Tuesday and I'm in Brussels, Belgium? No, it does not. There was a movie when I was a kid. If this is Tuesday, we mu it must be Belgium or something like that. If it's if this is Wednesday, I think this is it must be Belgium. But anyway, the sensation is so elusive, which means it keeps going away. See, it would be fine if I ate the candy and this effect stayed with me, but it doesn't. It goes away very quickly. So I seek it again and again and again, and I will seek it with everything I have. And that means we cannot differentiate the true from the false. What does that mean? It means I will buy when I'm 600 pounds, 700 pounds, 400 pounds, I will buy Twinkies and Chips Ahoy, and I will buy crap to put in my mouth, and I will convince myself that this time it'll be okay. This time I won't get hurt. This time it's all going to be all right. And it never is all right. 
It never is okay. And every single time I eat these foods, my stomach revolts on me. I can't be far away from the bathroom. I need to have all kinds of pills and potions to stop the flow of stuff into the uh, into the bathroom. And I need to I need to understand too that by eating these things, I am going to gain a considerable amount of weight. And that by gaining weight, it is going to make me more sedentary. Now listen, because this is important. Now this is only applicable usually to the morbidly obese, but it can apply to others as well. The more sedentary I become, the more physical pain I'm going to have. The more physical pain I'm going to have, the more I'm going to run to the food because the food makes the pain go away temporarily. So the very thing that is causing my backache, the very thing that is making me suffer from the effects of edema, edema is this extreme swelling in my ankles. I can't stand, I can't walk, I can't nothing. And this edema is indicative that the heart is not able to make things flow through us. To this day, I sleep with a wedge underneath my ankles because it puts my legs up because my edema was so bad for so long and it still can be bad that it drains me at night. And when I wake up in the morning, my ankles look like I'm a ballerina or something because gravity has helped me during the night to take that edema down. To this day, I sleep that way. and It's very hard for me not to sleep that way. So this effect that we're chasing is very, very elusive and it is injurious. It is injurious because the more sedentary I become, the more pain I feel. The more pain I feel, the more I eat. The more I eat, the more sedentary I become. The more sedentary I become, uh, the more I eat. So it is the way that the disease kills you the first thing the disease does is isolate you. If you ever look at nature films and the cheetahs, the pumas, the lions, the tigers, the, the bears, whoever that may be that is chasing their prey to eat that gazelle, to eat that antelope, to eat that bird, that what not birds, but whatever that may be, the first thing they do is cull it from the pack. And they surround it so it doesn't have any support from the pack. This disease isolates you. Now, what's the next thing that the disease does? After it isolates you, then it starts to kill you. It starts to break you down. The lions jump on the elephant's back. They, they, they start going for the zebra's throats. They start going for the zebra's legs to knock the zebra down. And this is how the disease kills because the disease doesn't have to limit itself to one lion or one tiger or one cheetah. Your blood pressure starts going up and now you're on blood pressure meds. All medicine has side effects. Now your blood pressure is up. Now your back is hurting you. Now your knees are hurting you. Now you need a new knee or you need two new knees, but you're too heavy and they won't operate on you. So you become more sedentary. What happens then? Now you're sedentary to the point where it's very difficult to lose weight because you can't move your body. You can't move your body. It's calories in, calories out.
It, it never changes. It's basic arithmetic. It's basic arithmetic. You want to lose weight? You got you to gotta decrease the number of calories in and you have to maximize the number of calories out, right? I mean, I'm horrible at math and even I understand that. But when you are completely sedentary like that, you can't do it. So you fight back, you try to do this or you try to do that. But that's how this disease kills you. That's how this does. That's how the death comes from this disease. This disease is a murderer. It's a terrorist. It's a murderer, and it has no mercy. The Yiddish word of the day is Rachmanis. Rachmanis means mercy. Mercy. This disease is a terrorist. It. This disease is a terrorist. It has no Rachmanis on its victim. This disease doesn't just want you dead. This disease wants you crying in your sleep. It wants you waking up in tears. It wants you living your life in tears because the loneliness, the asexual existence, the existence of self-loathing, the desire to die that outweighs the desire to live is upon you, that you have no hope, you have no dreams. That's how this disease kills. It destroys you and it destroys your will to live. <laughs> okay? So we cannot differentiate the true from the false. Does that mean I think I'm in Portugal right now? No. I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona, where it's going to be in the 70s today. I'm going to have lunch outdoors. That's nice. Don't you wish you could do that on January the 20th? We can. It's very nice here. I live in the desert. Okay. Now, to them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. Let's stop right there. In other words, to us, what we are doing seems normal and natural. In other words, to us, what we are doing seems normal and natural. Doesn't everyone eat a whole pizza every day or every other day? Doesn't everyone have a family-sized serving of whatever? I know to me that seemed normal and natural. When I was a little boy, probably 12 13 at the young at the oldest there was a place in Chicago and it was not there anymore it was called Lockwood Castle it was a ice cream place it was a, a a very glorified ice cream place the ice cream that they served was top notch I mean wasn't like your basic malt shop or something like that this was really good ice cream and they had creations that were unbelievable and on the menu of this restaurant, Lockwood Castle, it would say giant killer. And if you ate that by yourself in 60 minutes, it was 26 scoops of ice cream, plus every topping they had, plus cookies and, you know, those little wafers, those vanilla wafers and crap and chazerai. And if you ate it yourself, it was free. It was free. Well, I never did that. I, I never did that. But getting back to this, it would say on there, here's the Skokie uh, Sunday, or here's this float or this shake, or, and it would say serves two, serves three, serves four. 
I was ordering a hot fudge sundae with extra hot fudge that served two to three people by myself by the time I was 12, 13 years old. I was eating a chocolate sundae that was supposed to serve two dash three people by myself. So when it says here, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. To me, what I was doing seemed normal and natural and right. There's bags. I don't have any, thank God. There's bags of, of, of potato chips. And if you look at the bag of potato chips, the big ones, not the little ones, not the ones you could get when I was a kid for 10, 12 cents. I'm talking about the big ones. And it would say serves five, serves eight, serves 12, whatever it said. I don't know. I don't remember. That bag was mine. And when I opened it, I was going to be not in a minute, but in a few minutes, I would be shaking that bag to get every crumb out of that bag of potato chips. Wasn't long before I was doing that every day. Wasn't long before I was doing that twice a day. The disease never gets better or stays the same. The disease is always morphing, growing, and getting more and more lethal. It is a malignancy within our system. A malignant thing is growing and getting worse. Malignant means it's growing, moving, getting worse. This disease is a malignancy in our system. It never stays the same. It's always getting worse. So if my efforts to recover are not increasing and increasing and increasing, I'm going to die from the disease. I'm going to die from this disease. How do I recover by working past my level of effect? By working past my level of effect means I do more and more and more and more. I did the best I could to present Big Book at that birthday party. It may be the last time they ever asked me. I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I hope I did a good job. If you were in some of my sessions, I hope you liked them. I hope you got something out of them. But here's the bottom line. I didn't overeat that day. I didn't overeat in LA and I didn't overeat when I got home because of the work that I did. And in the final analysis, that is the only thing that I take with me to sleep. Did I overeat? My cardiologist keeps a real good eye on me and on the 11th of November, I've got to go for a stress test. I just had a echocardiogram. Now I got to go get a stress test. In July, he's going to send me for a blood test. He keeps an eye on me. Why? My mother died from diabetes. My mother had morbid obesity and died from diabetes. He wants to see how much plaque I have now in my heart. I have plaque in my heart. 
Well, he wants to see, are there any blockages? If there are, we're going to blast through them. We're going to do whatever we need to do to blast them out. I don't want to go do the stress test. I don't want to go through the echocardiogram. I just want to eat Milky Way bars and live to be 100 with all my marbles and $20 million. But it doesn't work that way. It just does not work that way. Let's continue. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience, I'm at the top now of XXIX, unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. Let's take a look at what that means. We are restless, irritable, and discontented. This is when we're not eating. Now throw in jealous, angry, scared to death. If you would have asked me, and I would have been able to give you an honest answer, which I wasn't able to do. If you would have asked me how I was feeling from ages zero to about 45, or I don't know how old I was when I last got absent. If you'd have asked me how I'm feeling, if I was honest with you, I would have told you scared to death. And if you would have said, like most people, what are you scared of? I would have said everything. I'm scared of living. I'm scared of dying. I'm scared of the girls. I'm scared of the boys. I'm scared of tomorrow. I'm scared of yesterday. Now, some of you are laughing. I've got at least 12 of you that are laughing your butts off. But this is the world that I lived in so that when I wasn't eating, I'm restless, irritable, and discontented. You better throw in guilt-ridden, shame-ridden, scared to death, full of self-loathing, criticism for you. And this is how I'm living. No wonder I ate. No wonder I used food to alter my sense of reality. Is it a wonder that I did these things? No, it's not. Now I feel good. I want to live. I want to live. I like myself. I have a life that works. Do I wish I was retired? God, yes, I wish I was retired. Do I want to work my butt off at age almost 70? No, but life is what life is. Thank God I can work. Thank God I have my business. Thank God my bills are paid. I owe nothing. My credit is excellent. I'm, I'm, I'm alive. Doctors have been signing my death warrant since the 1960s. And here I am still alive. I had a wonderful time in LA. I saw people, they saw me, we laughed, we cried, we, 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 we talked, we, whatever it is. It was fantastic. What a gift. What a gift. And I hope in July, the 12th, 13th, and 14th, some of you, all of you are going to come to Phoenix because we're going to do it again in Phoenix over the summer. Now, if you think it's hot where you are in the summer, wait till you get to Phoenix in the summer. You are going to say, holy mackerel, it's hot out here, but it's air conditioned in the hotel. But man alive, is it going to be hot? It's going to be over 110 when you get here. 
it's maybe even over 115, 117, 18. You are going to experience heat like you've never experienced it. You're coming into the Sonoran Desert. We are in the Sonoran Desert, which runs from points in Mexico up to Arizona. And that's the desert that you're in. But we're going to be okay because we're going to be in the hotel or you're going to be in a car or a shuttle bus or you're going to be in a restaurant or you're going to be wherever and it's going to be air conditioned. And if they're very lucky, it'll be as cold as it was at that freaking hotel in Los Angeles. That hotel was like a meat locker, for God's sakes. What in the world were they thinking in there? It was freezing. I had to constantly walk into that room where I was doing Big Book and not scream, but, you know, go to my sponsor who was on the committee and say, hey, we're freezing in here. Can you do something about this? And he had to go running around looking for some guy in maintenance and blah, blah, blah. So let's get back to the paragraph. Okay, so. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. What is impunity? It comes from the word punis, which is the root word for punish. It's the root word for punish, and that's where the word impunity comes from. Now, I've mentioned this in here thousands of times. I'm going to mention it again. When I was a little boy in the 60s, I was born in 54, but I'm really more a child of the 60s. I didn't do the drugs. I didn't do the rock and roll. And I didn't have all that, you know, free love. That, that got by me. That wasn't for the fat boys. <laughs> Let me just tell you that. That wasn't for the fat boys. But anyway... Um, I would see a father or a mother take a hamburger and split it in two and give two pieces of a hamburger to a brother and a sister. Neither one of these kids finished their half of hamburger. So the food didn't do for them what it was doing for me, but the food also didn't do to them what it was doing to me. It did not trigger the physical allergy. It did not alter their bodies so that they looked abnormal. It did, it did not make them feel guilty, shame-ridden or, or, or anything when they ate it so they didn't want to die more than they wanted to live. When they went to the doctor, nobody probably screamed at the top of his lungs at them. When they went for clothing, they probably didn't come at you with a tape measure and say to your mother, I don't think we have anything to fit him. There are three things in the life of me, any fat boy, that you're scared more than anything else. Girls, buying clothes, and going to the doctor. Why? The doctor is going to scream at your mother or scream right at you at the top of their lungs, and you're going to go home with a pink piece of paper. Why are all the diets on pink paper? What is that? All the diets that the doctors ever gave me, and there were hundreds of them, were always written on pink paper with little pictures of dolls or little pictures of, you know, girly things. What is the story on that? 
am I a girl? Why do you have to print these on little pink pieces of paper? But that is what my reality was. I don't have any of those papers, but they were always on pink paper. You got the diet. So there are three things in the life of a fat boy, girls, doctor, and one of the worst, certainly not the least, buying clothes. Oh my God, scary. Because there, anytime you're going to measure me, anytime you're going to tape measure my stomach, I'm not going to like you very much because that's the last thing I want. And by the way, while we're on the subject, don't ever believe when they advertise on TV, one size fits all. Don't go for it. Don't believe it. One size fits all. Yeah, maybe for your car, maybe for your house, but that's not for human beings. There's no such thing as one size fits all. You know what I say to that? No such thing. Don't ever believe that. Okay. After they have succumbed to the desire again. So we've decided we don't want to eat this. We've made up our minds. We're not going to eat this. But there I am eating it again. There I am eating it again. After they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do. And the phenomenon of craving develops. Why does he call it a phenomenon? He calls it a phenomenon because he knows it's there. Just like I know, you know, a dog has fur, but he can't prove this craving, but he sees it. He can't prove it. So he calls it a phenomenon. A phenomenon is something that is beyond our explanation. The phenomenon of the stars in the sky. You know that if the Earth's gravitational pull was just a little bit stronger, those stars and heavenly bodies would crash into the Earth. And if the Earth's gravitational pull was just a little bit weaker, they would fly off into space. But the Earth's gravitational pull is perfect. It's just perfect. You don't think there's a God, huh? You don't think there's some omnipotent being that's in control of all this? I think so. I think that there is. Now, if you don't think so, that's okay. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous. Welcome home. But I think that there is an all-powerful being in the center of all that is earth. They pass through the well-known stages of a spree emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over, and unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, spiritual awakening, there is very little hope of his recovery. So what is Dr. Silkworth telling you? He is telling you unequivocally that the only thing that is going to help you is a spiritual experience or a spiritual awakening. What is the difference? A spiritual experience is very sudden, very profound, and a spiritual awakening comes slowly over time. That's the difference. A spiritual experience is fast, sudden, and a spiritual awakening develops over time. Okay, so unless we can experience this, there is very little hope of our recovery because the mind will focus 
on the sense of ease and comfort that comes instantly by eating that food. And we will eat the food in search of relief from the intenable pain of not eating. And we will eat that food. And every single time we do, we are going to trigger the physical allergy, that craving for more and more and more of the same. So no matter how much our desire is that we not eat the food, no matter how much we desire neutrality from that food, no matter how much we think we deserve to have neutrality around that food, unless we have a spiritual experience or a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we absolutely are doomed, doomed to continue eating in that diseased way. There is nothing of this earth that is going to help you. The doctor could give you the most strong, the strongest amphetamine, and you are eventually going to eat. And let me tell you something about those amphetamines, because I was on them when I was nine and 10 and about 14 years old. Those amphetamines only control your urge to eat. If you eat and you are not, um, if you're not on the pills or you are, doesn't matter. You eat anyway. You're on the pills, your appetite is killed, but you eat a piece of pizza, it will still trigger that physical allergy and you will still have the craving for more of the same. And the more you eat, the more you're going to want. And the more you're going to want, the more you're going to eat. And the more you eat, the more you want, the more you want, the more you eat. And it is just absolutely endless. So even on those diet pills, and trust me, I have been on them. The allergy is not affected by the pill. Only the appetite, only the mental part is affected by the pill. So the physical is not. Page XXIX, 29 in Roman numerals. We're getting further than I thought. On the other hand, and strange as this may seem to those who do not understand, once a psychic change has occurred, a spiritual awakening or a spiritual, a spiritual experience, I'm not getting any younger, am I? Now, a spiritual awakening or a spiritual experience has occurred. The very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems, he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. The only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. What are the rules? The rules are the steps, but Silkworth is writing this and he doesn't have the kind of understanding that Bill Wilson or one or Fitz Mayo or Hank Parkhurst or, you know, Dr. Bob at this point, he doesn't have that kind of insight. So he calls it rules. The rules are the steps. 
when Dr. Silkworth writes psychic change, he means spiritual awakening. Don't look up psychic and change in the dictionary and come on vision and say, I looked it up and here's what it means. It means a spiritual awakening. It doesn't mean, you know, anything else. It means a spiritual experience or spiritual awakening. So in summation, food was never the problem for the compulsive overeater. Food is the solution to the problem. And what is the problem? What, are, what problem are we solving with food? We are solving the intense pain that comes over us, the unwe, the jealousy, the anger, the fear, the guilt, the shame, the remorse, the happiness, whatever that may be. We are solving the problem of the buildup of those emotions. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. Lack of power over what? Over how we feel, over the world. And so when we feel these, and it, we're restless, irritable, discontent, guilty, shame-ridden, happy, uh, fearful, whatever we may be, jealous, whatever we may be, we know the solution and the solution is the food. And food became the solution to my problem. I knew what I was eating was crap. I knew the Twinkies are crap. I know that 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 French fries and hot dogs and, and hamburgers are mostly crap. I wasn't born yesterday. I've been around a little bit. I was born in the morning, but it wasn't yesterday morning. I know what I'm eating is crap. You know, if Twinkies were real and Susie Q's were real and those Hostess cupcakes were real, they'd have to keep them in the refrigerator because they claim a cream filling. If that was real cream, you'd have to keep it in the refrigerator. The cheese Doritos? There's no real cheese on there. If there was cheese on there, they'd have to be refrigerated. That's a cheese-flavored additive. It's a cheese-flavored garbage chemical that you're eating and you can't get enough of it. You can't get it in your mouth fast enough. That's not real. None of it is real. It's not real. You know, this flavored popsicle and this flavored fudgicle, there's no cherry or banana or whatever strawberry in those popsicles. It's all chemicals. Yet I couldn't put it in my mouth fast enough. It was life to me. It was air to me. It was a life preserver when I was drowning. I couldn't put it in my mouth fast enough enough. It was not the problem. It was the solution to the problem. If food was the problem, then diet pills would work and they don't. Diets would work and they don't. Bariatric procedures would work and they usually don't. Wiring your jaw shut would work and it doesn't. When I was new in OA in 1979, the big fad was going to an acupuncturist and having pins put in your ears. And every time you wanted to eat, you were supposed to pull the ear like Carol Burnett did at the end of her show. 
I think some people forgot to pull their ear a few times. The other thing that was very, very popular, wildly popular when I was young in OA, I was 24 years old, was you went to a place, it wasn't a doctor, I don't think that did it, maybe it was, and you had the urine of a pregnant woman shot up your butt. Somewhere somebody discovered that the urine of a pregnant woman upticks your metabolism. Somewhere somebody found out, discovered, made up something that the urine of a pregnant woman will severely uptick your metabolism. So you have people, men and women, going to the doctor and they would literally take a syringe and, and put it in your, you know what, and push the plunger down and put this urine into your body because they read or found out that it made an uptick in your metabolism. Now, if that ain't nuts, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. So food is the solution. And the solution to the problem is food. What is the problem? It is the buildup of normal, everyday human emotion. Very, very important. Now, we're going to turn this over to, I don't know who I think, uh, Johan. We're going to turn this over to Johan. And we're going to uh, open it up for uh, questions and answers. And what I'd like you to do is keep in mind that July the 12th, the 13th, and the 14th in Phoenix, we are doing a big book weekend, the title of which, The Journey Between Dieting with Group Support and Recovery.